You are listening to Pandemic Poetry. My name is Silvia Canton Rondoni, and I'm your host at Burroni Date Radio Station. This week we are reading Eurydice, a triptych by poet Kirsten McDermott. This poem appeared in the literary journal Cordite Poetry Review in May 2019. After a chat about the poem, we will talk to Kirsten about poetry submissions and what that process is like. Our reading this week is Eurydice, a triptych by poet Kirsty Matermann. Content warning, please note the following poem contains references to sexual assault and violence against women. Eurydice, a triptych. One, recipe. Take one woman, preferably young and pretty enough to sell papers with a name that sticks in your mind and the back of your throat. Then, Break her, kill her, lay her out on a field as warning to all the other women, young and not so young, pretty or otherwise, with names that you have never cared to know. Tell them, don't walk alone after dark. Don't walk alone. Look, just don't walk at all. You're women. Where do you possibly have to go that's so important? After a week or two, clear off the flowers, smooth over the pitch. No one wants to see that forever and men have other sports to play. Two, museum piece. At night, walk with your house key thrust between your middle and third fingers. Do not wear headphones or lose yourself in thought or laugh too loud. Do not smile. Text your friend, your mother, your sister, your cat, when you leave the place, when you pass the library, when you cross the road and the other road and that one too. Text every five minutes, every two minutes, every 30 seconds until you are home. If the litany is broken, at least they will know where to look for your body. Or you can fold yourself in half and half again and then once more, press neat as the handkerchief that belonged to your grandmother that you keep in the back of your bedside drawer. Or you can tuck yourself between the pages of some half-read novel, like you did with that photo once that you have never found again or much thought about really. Such things remain untouched, unspoiled, safe as museum pieces. Remember when we used to see them in public everywhere, every day, like they didn't even know how fragile they were, how vulnerable, how valuable, like they didn't even care who saw them or what was thought, those girls, those women. We used to see them walking, faces turned to the sun, to the moon, walking away from us into the light. Three, Eurydice. Maybe it was a joke, the last good thought that crossed your mind that night before what happened, happened. The best joke you never got to tell, but it made you grin, that shiny new joke, the thought of delivering it on stage one night before what happened, happened. Maybe it was just the shitty icing on a shitty cake of a day in the shittiest ever banquet of a week and you were already half in tears about paying rent and how your cheap shoes hurt and how tired and worn and cold you were already at the age of 22 before what happened happened. Maybe you were simply making a shopping list, trying to remember the lyrics of a song, planning to feed your cat, wondering who owned those footsteps, how close they were, how fast you could run on slippery grass before what happened, happened. 
but I hope it was the joke. And, yes, I'm hoping that more for my sake than yours because I need it, this small hope too thin to weave any kind of blanket from. I mean, did you even own a cat? Eurydice, I don't know what to do anymore with this dense and sour rage that swills and swells with each fresh slight. I have vomited up so much of the stuff, thick and stubborn as clay. I pummel it with fists that will not uncurl, mould and shape a form from terror and for comfort both. One day I will know what to call it. One day I will write that name, your name, her name, all her names. On a rice paper scroll the size and shape of its tongue. One day I will send it slouching forth on its urgent wrathful path, not once looking back at you, at me, at any of us. And then they will see, all of them, what rough beast it is we have wrought. And after that wonderful poem, I'd like to introduce you to a poet of this week, Kirsty McDermott. Kirsty is an Australian author of two award-winning novels, Madigan Mine and Perfections, as well as a collection of short fiction, Caution, Contains Small Parts. She produces and co-hosts a literary discussion podcast, The Writer and the Critic, with Ian Mond. Kirstin also holds a PhD focus on retold fairy tales. Thank you for joining us at Pandemic Poetry at Waroni Radio, Kirstin. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us, how did this poem come together? Um, quite, quite sadly. So uh, it's named after Eurydice Dixon, um, who, if, if listeners aren't aware, was a young woman who was um, murdered, raped and murdered um, in Melbourne in June 2018, um, which is when I wrote the poem. So it's, there is um, a, a lot of women being killed and assaulted by um, often their partners, but sometimes strangers, as, as was the case with Eurydice. Um, and I think there's like the stats are more than one a week or something that we have in Australia. And it always, always infuriates me and makes me, you know, angry and sad and frustrated and all of that stuff. And I don't honestly know why Eurydice's murder um, just got under my skin as much as it did. But I don't know, she, she was young. Maybe it was the, you know, she was a, a stand-up comic. She was coming home after a gig, um, just going about her day as, you know, as most women are who were, who were killed. But something about Eurydice's situation um, just got to me and this poem wrote itself <laughs> in a way. Um, I, I can't remember the exact day I wrote it, but it was within a day or two of, um, the murder, and I was lying in bed trying to sleep. Um, I usually take a long time to get to sleep. I'm usually thinking about a lot of stuff. Hard to turn my brain off. Um, and this, you know, bits of this poem just kept coming into my head, and I couldn't make it work as a poem. Um, and but I, there was something about it. I just had I, I couldn't not write it. Um, and then the next day I, I had the, the idea to write it as a triptych rather than try to put all of these related but, but quite competing ideas about Eurydice, about 
in general violence against women and what what happens um, instead of trying to force them into a single piece. Um, they I thought they would work better as a triptych, which I, I think they do. And I wrote it um, the next day. Actually, at, at university, I was um, finishing my PhD and I had a spoken word event. Um, actually, there you go. I could probably date it to the day because I had a spoken word event that night. My partner and I used to, before the pandemic, run a monthly spoken word event in, in Ballarat where I live. Uh, we're hoping to, to keep it going once things are a bit more practical, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and I wanted to read that for that night. So I wrote the poem that day and um, read it that night at, at the spoken word. And there is not much difference between what I read that night and what ended up being published in Cordite. It really was a, a poem that felt like um, it, it just flowed onto the page. Um, and I didn't, did not change too many things. There's some tweaks, there were some rearrangements. Um, but for the most part, it was the a lot of the words that had swirled around in my head the previous night and, and I wrote them down and structured them, added more words, and, and it, then it was there. It was quite quite remarkable, actually. <laughs> it's one of those sort of magic writing experiences that doesn't come too often, but I guess, you know, it came from a place of um, deep and, and genuine anger and, yeah, sometimes they're the best places to write from. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's, uh, we were talking with Anne and, and Eloise before her that um, those poems always come up from places that are just a very strong emotion and it's a way to, to deal with with those emotions, actually, and that's what poetry has done for us. Just for a bit of context, I, I also have trouble sleeping myself. <laughs> It's too much going on in my head all the time. And um, that's one of the reasons why I try to stay away from um, news updates and especially like normal um, TV and things like that. Mm. And at the time that uh, Eurydice Dixon um, was was murdered, I was living in Melbourne myself and I was not aware of it until I actually read your poem a year later. That was how disconnected I have. I need to be from all of those things, not to affect my, my own mental health. Like, you know, um, we all have our little <laughs> methods. But I remember how your poem really stayed with me even long. I mean, it's been two years since I read it, you know, because of the themes within it. And particularly like, you know, the violence against women, which is such a like, it's it's a thing that's it's, sadly, it's always current and toxic masculinity in, in Australia as well, which is the thing again, always current, sadly too. But I think that's also some, those two are also something that has been taken to a whole new level with our pandemic. And we are so like full of news about all, all of those numbers and how we're going up and down and who we're going to lock down and out of it and so on and so forth. We are missing those eurydices along the way. You know, we are missing all this news about, about the daily people in the streets and what we're doing and not doing. And, you know, and it's mm. all about the numbers and the deaths. And I don't know, what, what do you think? I mean, I think every time you have a, an incredibly volatile and dangerous situation that, that you have in a toxic relationship or a violent relationship, every time there is additional pressure put on that from external sources, the violence will increase um, the potential for, you know, permanent harm or, or even death increases because it's already a terrible situation. It's already a dangerous situation. Add to that the stresses around the pandemic, add to that lockdown where a lot of people, I mean, obviously I know I'm in Victoria, the government has made it very, very clear that leaving a violent partner 
is not something you need to put off because of lockdown or restrictions. But it's one thing to say that and it's another to feel as a person in such a relationship that you have or can leave and that you have a place that you can go to when so many of your support networks might have been suspended in some way. So, yeah, it's it's not at all surprising, but it is still obviously tremendously tragic that such um, incidences of violence you know, among relationships, families are increasing and women especially feel that they have little place to to resort to at the moment. And, th- you know, this situation has dragged on for a, a long time and it seems like it will continue for, for still some significant length of time yet. So it's... Yeah. And that, you know, that said, there's still, I mean, you know, general violence happens around, you know, outside of relationships and outside of families. That may have been reduced, ironically, because people aren't out and about so much. So maybe non-personal violence has has diminished. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at stats. But yeah, I, I, I do. I am aware that domestic violence, family violence has sadly increased uh, and I do I, I worry about people who are stuck who feel like they are stuck in in relationships and in household situations where especially at the moment they feel like they have no no place to escape to and these situations may have just been heightened and made more stressful because of the pandemic so it's 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 a tough one I you know what what do you do what can people do no, absolutely. And um, just for our listeners at Borani Radio at ANU, there is a whole lot of mental health resources, NNU counseling, urgent support, among other things that you can find if you just go getting help ANU. And um, yeah, there is a whole lot of services that as a students we have access to. And within the community, there is also a women's center in Canberra. And it's not only women's center in most of the main cities um, in Australia, if you need to get any help regarding those things. I just said I mentioned that as well. But um, yeah, no, it's it's very, yeah. It, I think it's important to have these conversations and it, it's important to have poems like yours heard um, to an audience uh, for people to just be aware those things are still happening. The fact that we have a pandemic doesn't make it um, better. If anything, it, it makes us more recluse of where we yeah. are um, because that, that isolation in ways uh, might be good for certain things like creativity, but in ways like when you're already in a, really in a bad situation, getting not even able to be outside of that, to get rid of it's just not helpful at all. Yeah, definitely. And I think with, I mean, with Eurydice, it is, it is more about, I guess, the general attitude that some men, hashtag not all men, sure, um, have about, about women and the, the entitlement that is there that that they feel they should have over women's bodies and women's autonomy. And it's with Eurydice, it's it's the trip ticket is more about that situation. Um, I mean Eurydice was killed by someone she did not know who felt they were entitled to her body and to do what they wanted with her body. And then to to kill her once they had done that. And that it's just it's it's breath. It's not surprising. It is. It is common, sadly, but it is also every time you think about it, it is just breathtakingly entitled to think that any human being feels that they would have the right of access to any other human being's body. Mm. What gives them? Like, what makes them think that that's something that's that they should have, or that you know? It, it's just. It is. It is breathtakingly, mind-bogglingly ridiculous in a sense. Like, why do you think you have the right to someone else's body? Mm-hmm. I don't. 
I can't get my head around it on, on a very, you know, personal level. I can't get my head around it. I understand the psychology and so on, but it, it's just like, yeah, every time I think about it, it's, it's, it's stunning. What, what gives you the right to tell somebody what they can do with their body, what they can wear, where they can go, what they can do. And yet that's, that mindset is, is quite predominant, not just among individual men, but among our particular society. We, we do like telling women what they can and can't do and what they should look like and what they should wear and what their bodies can be used for. So, and that's, I think, more my, my focus in Eurydice than, than family violence, just because of the situation that mm-hmm. directly inspired it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I totally get that. It was just all the things that can be mm. from, the, from, from the whole narrative. Absolutely. In the second segment of Pandemic Poetry, we will focus on the process Kirsten went through to submit her poem to Cordite Poetry Review. In our past episodes, we have spoken with Eloise Grills about what it was like to be commissioned to write a poem for the anthology Borderless. And Anne Casey joined us last week to talk about how she found the publisher for her manuscript. I was wondering, uh, Kirsten, if you would like to share what, with the listeners what it was like. Uh, really straightforward, actually. I hadn't. I don't. I don't write a lot of poetry. I'm a primarily a fiction writer, so I'm not across the the markets and the opportunities for poets. It's something I had to. I had to actually actually ask some. Pardon me. I had to actually ask some friends who were poets. Um, yeah, I've got. I've got this poem. I've published a couple of things here and there, but I think this poem is a really good poem. <laughs> I'd like to find it a good home. Um, where where should I submit? And I got a few, you know, market listings that, uh, within Australia that because um, I did feel it was a it, an Australian home, and I wanted it. Not that it doesn't have resonance outside of Australia, but it was something I felt should go into an Australian. Yeah, because it's it's um it's related to an Australian event that happened like in Melbourne. Mm. So the, the whole uh, we're talking before about Eurydice Dixon and everything that happened. So it makes sense that you were trying to find a local market yeah. and international one. Mm. Yeah. So I, I got a couple of names of of journals and markets, and I had submitted it to another journal before, which was Rabbit Journal, um, that publishes nonfiction poetry. And I had no idea whether. Eurydice was nonfiction poetry, but I thought I'll send it to them, and they um, they didn't want it, which was fine. And then this next market I uh, sent it to was Cordite, uh, which was sort of at the top of the list of what everybody had. The two or three friends had asked and said, "Oh, you know, Cordite's a really, really good journal. You, mm. you could try them." And their submission process was very simple. Um, the the journal issue at the time that I submitted to was being guest edited by Nathan Kerno, who's a, a local Ballarat poet, which I thought was auspicious. Um, and I really love Nathan's work. He's a fantastic poet. And I thought, well, he would, you know, he'd probably dig Eurydice. It's it's probably the type of poem he would think was was a good poem. So I sent that off. I, I believe it was an online submission portal that they used um, for Cordite. So you uh, formatted as a PDF, sent it to their portal, and then you sat and waited and waited, <laughs> as is always the case when you submit something. Uh, and I, I sort of uh, got on with other things, didn't really think too much about it, and then got a an acceptance a few weeks later that they would really like to publish it. So I was like, yay! I was very happy because, as I said, I don't, I don't publish, I don't write a lot of poetry, so I don't publish a lot of poetry. 
Um, so it was really, really cool to get it into Cordite. Um, and I went back and thanked my friends and they're like, oh, that's great. Cordite, yes. And there was a very, very simple process after that. There's there's no no editing, really, which I believe is a, the case with a lot of poetry yeah. submissions. You either take the poem or you don't take the poem. So it's quite different to to when you submit fiction and it gets accepted and then there's a whole editing process, as, as you would know, Sylvia, that goes mm-hmm. along with that. And um, Whereas with poetry, it's, it's, it seems to be, from talking to people, we either like the poem, we'll publish it, or we don't and we don't publish it. But there's not a bunch of back and forth editing, okay. which is very nice. Yeah, I, I, like the, I like the editing process in fiction, but it was very nice to say, to hear, we like your poem, we'll publish it, just as it is. It's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> um, and that, yeah. That, that was it, basically. Yeah, it, it's interesting. As you were saying, I used to write um, fiction as well. Um, like one of the reasons uh, I, I knew of uh, Kirsten's work is for she, she was one of the people in my um, brightest community in Melbourne. Um, there's a horror and science fiction community. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's, it's just such a different like kettle of fish to deal with fiction. And like I have had short stories commissioned to me and edited back and forth for months. And it's just like, oh, it's so different. And then when I, I did my poetry collection recently, I got some bits and bobs and like tiny little things, but it was in comparison was like the breeze was like tiny. Like I think my I took longer with the cover that I took with the edits. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was think so. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it, it was quite interesting because as I said, I, I have published a handful of poems um over the years but very seldom and I did think when I when I got the acceptance for for Eurydice it was like okay well now the editing let's see what they have to say and it was like no editing it was like here it is um before it went live they they prepped it all because it's it's online only so there were no um you know publications or galleys or anything to look at so it was just a case of here here it is here's the, the passwords to the website go in check out your poem if there's any corrections or changes you need to make the way it's been formatted on the page do so uh, otherwise we're good to go so and that was the the whole process uh, which was as I said lovely um, but also a little bit daunting because it felt like no no one else had put an eye over this <laughs> so it's like okay I'm, I'm to blame for the whole thing if, if that's not good <laughs> and it was it was challenging because of the you know, the, the subject matter and the fact that, in you know, in its name and its content, I was referencing a, a real person mm-hmm. who, who had died. So it was um, a little confronting. And I, I did think about that very deeply about whether I should reference Eurydice specifically and how her, her family might think about that if they ever read it. Um, so I hope I've done a respectful job with the poem. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not one to, to to speak, but I think you've done an amazing job. And uh, seeing as that uh, poetry editing has been something that like just you really enjoyed. Is that is that like is that enough encouragement for you to like perhaps <laughs> put something together or like how much like as a fan girl, how much longer must we wait for a poetry collection by Thursday, my David? Probably, unfortunately, maybe a little <laughs> bit longer. As I said, I don't. I get a lot of ideas that might might be poems. I don't generally write a lot of poems. Some of the ideas will, will turn into or form part of a short story, which is where I which is where I really love to write. I love love short fiction. And then other ideas just um, 
skip away because I don't pay them any attention. So off they go. They will find another poet to write them maybe. But I have started writing a, a bit more poetry in the last couple of years. Part of that came out of um, the spoken word uh, event that I used to run in Ballarat. And so I would often, not every month by any means, but, you know, half a dozen times per year, come up with something that I could read at, at the event. And some of those things are okay. They might need some work and some of them were just fun little things that will never go anywhere outside of that. But, um, yeah, I have I have seriously been writing a, a little bit more poetry um, recently. I, I have joined a very small circle of local poets here in Ballarat and we're kind of critiquing each other's work back and forth. So I may have some more poems that I can send out into the world. But as I said, it's not, it's not really my preferred I guess genre um I really love short fiction that's my that's where I really love to play and a lot of the ideas I get I guess they feel like they're larger ideas than than would belong in a poem Mm -hmm. not that they're you know more not the poetry can't be complex and can't talk about big things but um I'm a bit verbose I think so I want to say a lot about something (laughs) and you have to be very concise in poetry Mm. Very concise. Uh, the, the, the poem I wrote for you, Sylvia, for your anthology that's coming out, Infectious Hope, I think there was a line limit of 22 or something. I can't remember the exact line limit. And I was pulling my hair out because, I, you know, I wrote the poem I wanted to write. And even when I, before I started to write it, I knew I couldn't fit everything in that I wanted to. So I already, already culled down so much of it. And then it was, I think it was like three or four lines over and it was just like pulling teeth <laughs> to get those lines down to 22 but it's made it a better poem I I, I do 20 year old Kirsten would not have agreed with this but I but now 47 year old Kirsten thinks restrictions are fantastic they make you a better writer you know if you if you have to abide by a a boundary or a restriction or a rule it makes you a better writer I actually enjoy that myself as a poet very much Mm. as well like the the smaller the format and the tighter you tell me to make it I'll 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 thrive more on that because I'm I'm just like you I'm very verbose I just like I could just yeah I could be rumbling all day then let me (laughs) (laughs) poetry tiny little books but I found in in poetry and like as my first time as an editor of, of a poetry anthology as well which is um for a listen it's just for a bit of context infectious hope is an anthology that's going to come out on the first of November and that's poets uh, poets poets and poetry about the pandemic and the themes are about hope and resilience and Kirsten is one of the poets I commissioned and uh, she of course as always she delivered a fantastic piece for the poem but there was a restriction it had to be 25 lines because it's a tiny book and yeah it's actually funny we mentioned this because the book had to be made just a little bit bigger because some of the poems couldn't fit <laughs> oh no yeah which is one of those silly little facts that you learn as you're doing the whole publishing process <laughs> but it's all sent to the printers now so you know so i'll be and look, uh, look forward to seeing it oh yeah no me too it's been it's been a work of a year and a half of my life <laughs> it's, it's really i'm looking forward to it too um but yeah, that that all, all of that you were saying made me think as well. I really, and I'm sure your listeners agree with me. I'm very curious about this spoken word event that you're organizing in Ballarat that you were organizing, and then COVID happened, and then mm. you know, also because we're gonna have um, next week a poet as well that's gonna be it's connected to your community, which we will see next week. I'm not gonna spoil it now. Um, <laughs> who, she, who she is, who they are. But could you tell us a bit what are the plans for um, picking up the spoken word event? Is that gonna be after lockdown? I imagine because Melbourne is in 6.4 now 
Oh yeah, I can't I can't keep track of of all the lockdowns Victoria has had. It will it will need to be after uh, lockdown and restrictions look like they have uh, I guess permanently or, or semi permanently lifted. We uh, we're in a very unfortunate position where we we have lost the the venue where we used to have the poetry. So we will need to find a new venue, which is not that easy in Ballarat for, for the type of, uh, I guess, criteria that we have. So that will be the first thing. We have had a couple of pop-up events um, in the last 18 months, um, just here and there when, when restrictions have lifted, we've, we've had a pop-up event somewhere to do a, to do an afternoon or an evening of spoken word. And we hope to continue doing those um, if we can. And we really do hope to, to find our a home in Ballarat to bring it, the events called Words Out Loud, and uh, we would love to to run it again as a monthly event once once we enter into whatever the new normal will be post uh, the pandemic or living with the pandemic as it as it may be. Uh, we do we love love hosting the event. We've had a lot of local people come. We've had people come from Melbourne occasionally. And um, we've even had the occasional international guest who's, who's happened to be here and we've heard about them and said, hey, do you want to come out and read some poetry to Ballarat? So it's a really, it's a lovely event. The people who would come regularly really, really valued it. We've seen poets come out of it, which is wonderful. And we hope to run it again. It's just very logistically problematic, if not impossible at the moment. Mm. So it's on, it's on hiatus as a regular thing. And we just look for opportunities to, to do a pop-up every now and then. Fair enough. Probably, like, you know, please tell me if you don't answer this, but have you considered doing it remotely? We did, and we decided it's just not the same vibe. We we did do at the very beginning uh, when lockdown first happened in mid-2020 last year, we we ran, we did it, we did it as a monthly podcast. Mm-hmm. So we had people recording poetry or whatever they wanted to. We weren't a poetry only. We weren't a slam poetry night. We were just words out loud. So you could read fiction. You could read a poet. You could you could read someone else's work. If there was a poem or, or a bit of fiction you really, really loved, you could yeah. read an excerpt of that. We didn't really have any restrictions other than time. So we had people uh, record their work and send it to us by email. And Jason and I then cobbled together a, a podcast where we did intros and outros and made it sound like a, a spoken word night, even though it was uh, all of the contributions from, from our poets or writers were pre-recorded, but we, we put it together. And it probably sounded a little bit hokey because everyone's recording. Quality was different. Some people sounded like broadcast quality. Some people were just doing it off their phones or it had background noises or whatever, but we just put it together and it was fun. But we only did it for three months and, and by the end of the three months, it was um, we were just getting less people submitting. So I think the the format of it wasn't obviously wasn't the same as being in person. And I think people mm. were just at that point getting a bit tired of the, the lockdown as well. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. So mm. yeah. So we did that as a as a replacement to start with. And um, we haven't really thought about doing it remotely um there's a lot of tech issues that go along with it but also I feel like we'll just wait till we can do it in person again and and the folks will be out there they'll come back they'll be happy to see us they're always happy to see us when we do a pop-up so we'll be able to build that community again not so much build the community the community's still there but we'll be able to gather them again and everybody can get together and have a drink and, and do some reading and listen to some quality poems or prose and it will be 
a celebration once we are out of out of our rolling lockdowns and restrictions and so on. Absolutely. It's one of the things I miss the most because I'm I, I personally, um, locally, I go to um, a Smith Alternative, which has a that poetry event every Monday night. And um, it, interestingly, was where the first poem for um, pandemic poetry actually came from, was from the last uh, poetry night that I attended before lockdown. Was yeah. On. Um, that had um, Melinda Smith, one of the editors of the Borderless Anthology, reading Eloise's Grill's poem, which is just, oh, you need to listen to that. It's just, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's just, like, just like your poem. Like, you know, it gets on you and you're like, you just need to sit down and just take it all in. It's it's wonderful. Um, and I have noticed how Smiths have been um, alternating online and offline and all of that. But I, I can totally understand what you're saying. And, and with the spoken word, and there is not just the element of hearing the poetry, but that the the experience of being there live and seeing that you know that this the, the poet the poet almost not not quite struggling in a way, but like delivering it the thing. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's 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 the the, the energy of the yeah. It, it is a completely different experience. Um. So we we will just wait. I think till we can do it in person. We were recording our nights as well so we we do have them if people wanted to listen to the to the poets and we will probably do that again so that's accessible for people who can't attend but we mm-hmm. yeah I don't think we'll do a I don't think we'll do a live zoom cast or anything like that oh if anything maybe we can do a live zoom cast of your of your event we'll see <laughs> <laughs> no promises <laughs> All right. Well I would like to thank our guest um poet Kirsty McDermott for taking the time to be here today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, that was absolutely delightful. You can first get this poem in Cordite Poetry Review. You can just basically Google Eurydice, Cordite, Kirsty McDermott, and it will pop up on, online on the internet. You have been listening to Pandemic Poetry. My name is Sylvia Canton Rondoni, and I've been your host at Warrani Radio Station. Tune in next week to discover new poetry and poets for your new normal.